afraid about it. You know, that can always be better. Sometimes I feel more comfortable speaking when it's not recorded because then we don't have to worry about what actually what we talk about and nobody has to be shy. Um, this is a, uh, generally speaking, I don't often uh, prepare formally for the classes. I like to come and discuss with you guys. I wasn't expecting like such a large crowd, I have to tell you the honest truth. I was expecting like five, six people. Um, and I, but I guess because there was sushi, you guys came and... I, I'm happy about that. It's really nice to see everyone. It's been a while, obviously, for many of us since we've seen each other. And uh, I'm certainly grateful to be able to be back. The, uh, the topic that we had discussed, uh, we had planned, uh, was suggested, was to talk about dating and personal growth. I think that's a, a good topic for many of you. Um, dating is a, uh, is a subject that is uh, of great significance at this stage of your life. Why they asked me to speak about it, I don't know. I've never really been, I obviously haven't been dating for a while and uh, actually married my high school sweetheart. So I, I really didn't date. I have to tell you the truth. So, um, so my experience is very limited in this area to begin with. But what I do have experience with is helping people who are going through the dating process for the past couple of decades. So um, from that, I've learned a great deal. And hopefully, I can share some thoughts with you. And obviously, this is an open forum for all of you. I was expecting you guys to be the ones really directing the flow of the conversation because I thought it was going to be an intimate group. Um, You might be a little more hesitant to speak out or to ask questions or to share your experiences in such a large, uh, such a large gathering. But I encourage you to feel, you know, comfortable. And obviously, we can edit the recording. We can trash the recording. We can erase it. I mean, we don't. There's no reason for anyone to feel uh, feel uh, hesitant about about speaking. What I'd like to start with, I'm just going to throw out a couple of ideas. And like I said, it's not really a formally prepared class. It's more of a discussion. Um, I want to throw out a couple of ideas for you to think about. And I'm anxious to hear your responses. And I hope that you'll find some of these ideas helpful. There are two ideas really that, uh, to me, are critical when it comes to dating, when I think about dating. And the first one is... My uh, is unsolicited advice that I give almost every person who comes to me to ask me about dating is my unsolicited advice. It's usually solicited advice. I'm giving it to you as unsolicited advice because you didn't ask me. But on the other hand, you came to the class, so it's kind of like you solicited my advice. So one principle that I always uh, hold by in almost every case, I would say 99% of the time, I advise never make a decision on the first date about whether you like a person or not. A lot of times people will go out on one date and they will not go out on a second date. And oftentimes, and to be honest with you, most of the people who consult with me about dating are girls, not guys. And and many times they come and they say, I went out with a guy one time. We didn't really click. He wants to go out again. I think it's a waste of time. There's no chemistry there. There's no interest there. What should I do? And I always tell them, at least try twice, at least two dates. And the reason is very simple, because in a first meeting, it's extremely difficult to get to know a person. Because in a first meeting, even if you think you kind of know the person, maybe you know them from a distance, but there is so much uh, anxiety on both sides when you're going out with a person for the first time. 
there's so many concerns and sort of like, there's so much hesitation, right? You, a lot of times if you go out, like if you go out to eat on a first date, you can't eat as much because you don't feel comfortable because you're a little bit anxious, you're self-conscious. You're not really showing your true feelings, your true identity. You're not, you're not letting yourself, you're not letting your guard down as much. And the other person also isn't. You're not really getting a sense of who they are in the first meeting. And, you'll, and there are many people that you can speak to out there, couples who have since gotten married, who will tell you on the first date, they thought it was a waste of time. Many, many people will tell you that. That on the first date, they thought, there's no way this is ever going to work out. And one side insisted, begged, pleaded, pressured for a second date, and it turned out that everything worked out very well. So one piece of advice that I give Again, it's unsolicited advice. And if you, if you follow this advice and it doesn't work out, please don't come back and blame me. I'm just giving you, just giving you an idea. I always suggest that it's worthwhile meeting a person a minimum of two times before you have a sense of whether you click with that person or not. Because in the first meeting, it's very, very difficult to get a good sense of who another person is. First impressions are very powerful, but they're also very misleading, especially in a context of a date, because you're very self-conscious. Let's be honest. Right? I'm not saying this about any specific individual. Okay? Imagine a, imagine a job interview. Do you act naturally in a job interview the first time you're meeting somebody interviewing you? Of course not. Does the interviewer act naturally? Of course not. If you get that job, three months down the road, you see the person who interviewed you. Do you have the same view of them as you had on the day they interviewed you? Do they have the same view of you that they had that day? Of course not. What's the proof? I got into college, ladies and gentlemen. On the interview, they thought I was going to be an excellent student. Okay, we know how that ended. When I go back to my professors from graduate school and ask for recommendations, they won't give them to me. Because they say, well, we have to tell them the full story. Are you comfortable with that? I say, no. Forget it. So when I was interviewed by the person, they thought it was great. So in a first impression, sometimes it could be misleading either way. Right? So you might think, you might think somebody's great the first time, but you notice things that are problematic the second time. But I'm not worried about that so much. Because it went, if it ends, it ends. So it ends. So you had one extra cup of coffee with the guy. So what? It's not the end of the world. You spent another hour, couple of hours with the guy. So what? You never wasted time in your life? You never watched a bad movie? You never had a bad meal? You wasted, so you wasted a little time. What's the end of the world? But on the other hand, if you drop the possibility, the option on the, after the first encounter, assuming you saw the full picture of who that person was, you might have missed out on a great opportunity. Now that's not always going to be the case. That doesn't mean that you might go out with some guy second time, third time and decide it's not good. But all I'm saying is don't be quick on, to pull the trigger on something and decide it's not good based on a first encounter. That for sure is not. And if you have any doubt, it's always worth trying again just to see if there's, some, if there's something there. I always suggest that. That's just my personal practical guideline that I like to follow. I always advise, go on and if you're not sure, so go out one more time and see how it goes. Because it doesn't hurt you anymore. What are you going to do? Sit home and, drink, and, and eat ice cream and watch a movie? So go out with the guy and let him pay for the dinner. What's the problem? 
You know, what did you lose? Okay, you wasted time talking to somebody that you're not going to marry. Okay, you do that every day. Right? So what's the problem? That I, I'm, you know, if you're really practical about it, so give it a chance, give it a try. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. And there are many, many, many stories of people that tried once, second time, third time, that, 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 that were going out, that knew each other. Then I, I just had a friend of mine from, I mean, a, a, a classmate of mine, going back all the way to high school. She took a really long time to find her match. She knew the guy in high school. 20 years later, they reunited, they ended up getting married. 20 years later. Now, I don't want that to happen to you guys. That's too long to wait. But the point is that, that, that they, 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 you never know where a relationship is going to lead. Okay? You can't make assumptions based on initial impressions. That's for sure. So it's always good. And if you have any doubt in your mind, so explore it a little further. Exploration doesn't hurt you. Giving a little bit more time, investing a little bit more time is not a waste. What would be a waste would be if you missed an opportunity and you regretted it later. The worst thing in life is to regret. That's my opinion. And again, I'm just telling you my opinion. I'm not telling you something you have to do. It's not like a halakha, you have to do this. It doesn't say it anywhere in the Torah, you have to do this. I'm telling you, practically speaking, the worst experience that you will endure in your life is the experience of regret. You don't want to regret missing an opportunity. Better that you spent a little bit more time determining for sure that that wasn't for you than that you look back and wonder whether it really was for you. So give it a little bit more time. Be patient in getting to know a person. That's, what I, that, that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is, you know, we talk about this idea. You'll always hear this idea of, you know, there's somebody meant for everyone. Right? You have a bashir or you have someone who is, who is, is meant for you out there. It's a very comforting idea. I'm not saying that it's not true, but I have a feeling that it might be true in different ways than we think. Okay, in, different, in a different way than we think. It's, we are naturally drawn to people for reasons that we don't consciously realize. Okay? And I'm just getting into psychology a little bit for a second, but the person that you're drawn to or attracted to, I'm not talking about physical attraction, but emotional or that you, you feel a connection with, you feel a chemistry with, you feel drawn to romantically, it's determined by factors that are not fully conscious. You don't really fully understand what draws... Have you ever... Everyone here knows someone and maybe you are one of those people that you always find yourself drawn to somebody who's not good for you. Right? I know that there are girls that experience that. And their friends are like, what's wrong with you? Why do you always go after the guy who is, I don't know, emotionally unavailable or nasty or this or that or he doesn't ever want to get a job and he wants to... Whatever. Okay? Anybody recognize that person? Don't, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm saying, we all know somebody like that. You might be that person. Okay? It's okay. You know, what you have to understand, I think, about, about this chemistry phenomenon between people is that we are drawn to people for reasons that we are not fully conscious of. And that's why you will notice we can see a pattern in somebody else. Ah! That girl always goes out with the bad guy who is, um, doesn't answer his phone, doesn't answer his text, 
you know, ignores and is cold and is distant and, you know, and, and emotionally manipulative. And emo- Why does she keep doing that again and again? What's wrong with her? We can all see that, that she always ends up with guys like that. Why doesn't she see that? Okay? The reason is because there's something inside of her that's drawing her to those kinds of people that she doesn't even realize. Now it could be, oftentimes it is, that there is a desire inside us to be the person who saves that other person. I'm going to fix that other. I want the bad guy because I'm going to fix that guy. I'm going to be the one who's going to, he's going to turn his life around because of me. Because I'm that amazing. We want to feel that. Maybe. Maybe that's what we want to feel. Or a, per, a guy who can't get his life together. I'm going to be a mother to him. Like maybe you have a mother maternal instinct. Right? So therefore you pick a guy who can't get himself together. Who can't do, you know, he can't take care of himself. Because you want to take care of him. Because you feel like that will give you the opportunity to be motherly. And that's part of who you are. That's going to help you express a part of your personality that you want to be a component of that relationship. But you might not realize that. You know what I'm saying? You might not see that in yourself. But a person on the outside could see it. Hey, she always ends up with the needy guy, with the guy who needs to be taken care of, with the guy who can't get himself off, that can't get up before 11.30 in the morning or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The guy who is not able to hold down a job or doesn't look for a job or doesn't make this. Whatever it is. Because you want to be the person who pulls him out of bed who gets him to work, who takes care of him, who does that. Because maybe part of you wants to be a caretaker. Maybe, maybe for some reason you had to do that when you were younger in your house and that became a part of who you were and now you, can, you have to envision yourself in a role like that when you get older. Or it could be many reasons. Not, I don't want to like give you a pre-packaged psychoanalysis of your uh, personality. I'm saying there, there could be many reasons why you might be like that. But what I'm saying is that what you're drawn to is a person who fulfills certain needs that you have. So is it true that there's somebody you're destined to be with? Is it true that you have a shared somebody who's destined for you? Who's a, who, who will compliment you with an E, compliment, not compliment you like say nice things about you, right? Who will com- yes, it's true. Psychologically, it's true. I'm not talking about from Hashem's perspective. I mean, that is Hashem's perspective because Hashem made you the way that you are. Right? So you're going to be wired to seek a person who is, able, who is going to fulfill certain needs that you have emotionally. Or may, or may, and here's the problem, here's where it becomes difficult, will also create problems for you that you want to solve. You felt that you weren't able to solve them. You weren't able to solve those problems. So now you want to sit. Let's say a person has, again, I'm making a theoretical construct. Don't take this personally and don't go home and say, Rabbi Moro said this and this and this about my family. Okay, I'm not saying about anybody. I'm saying to you, maybe you had a father that was emotionally unavailable. And, or parents who were emotionally unavailable. They didn't give you attention. They didn't give you enough affection. They didn't give you praise. They didn't give you, I don't know, uh, a loving warmth. And so you pick a guy who's exactly like that. And it's like, why are you doing that to yourself? Finally, you have a choice about who you're going to be with. You didn't choose your family. You're born into your family. Finally, you have a choice 
of who you're going to be with and you choose a guy exactly that has the same problem as your parents that they didn't give you the warmth and affection I'm not talking about anybody particular here obviously you know everyone's parents are different why would you do that the answer is because you want to conquer that demon that you have maybe my parents didn't give me love I'll take a person who also doesn't give me love and I will win his love I'm going to get him to love me. I'm going to get him to show me affection. I'm going to get him to show me attention. Okay? In other words, there is a, sometimes we, we specifically gravitate to people who have the same problems or give us the same problems that we experienced in childhood so we can resolve those problems. We get another chance to resolve those problems. Do we realize? No, we don't realize that we're doing that a lot of times. So what happens? Your best friend probably realizes it, right? The mailman might realize it. Anybody outside could realize it. But you won't necessarily see that that's what you're doing. You're recreating a situation that you, that you want to either feel the way you felt at a certain point in your life or that you want to resolve a problem that you never felt you could resolve when you were younger. And finally, it's going to give you a chance to resolve it. And so you're gravitating towards the person who actually creates... The, did you ever notice? God forbid that anybody should have an abusive parent. But, you know, it's a known thing that a lot of times people who grow up with abusive parents end up in abusive relationships. Emotional or physical. It's a terrible thing. It's a horrible thing, but it's true. Or they end up being abusive to other people, which is also horrible. But they're creating the same situation they grew up with again. Either because if they become abusive, it's because they were a victim of abuse and the way that they're now able to conquer their feeling of being a victim is by abusing others, which is of course terrible. But a lot of bullies are like that, by the way. A lot of bullies were maybe humiliated by their parents or ridiculed by them or beaten by them or whatever and the way that they prove themselves that they're macho and they're great and it doesn't have to be a guy I'm using a term macho but a girl is you know hot stuff whatever is that she puts down others and she ridicules them and humiliates them but really it's because she feels inadequate because that's how she was treated and she needs to prove herself or she might marry somebody who's hostile and rude and puts her down and makes her feel less and makes her feel inadequate and makes her feel insecure because she says to herself, I'm going to change this guy. I wasn't able to change my parents, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience the same thing I felt as a child, but this time I'm going to be the hero and I'm going to change this guy. Okay? So this is what is wired into us and what causes us to gravitate emotionally towards certain people rather than others. Now, why is that beneficial to you to know that? Am I trying to scare you? Maybe a little. Not mainly. Why am I bringing this to your attention is because what this offers us is a tremendous opportunity for self-knowledge and self-growth. Because when we see, in other words, the person we are drawn to is the person who's going to bring out in us the things we need to work on. Not only will they bring out your strengths oftentimes, but they will also bring out your weaknesses. Or they'll also bring out your insecurities. They'll also bring out your inner conflicts that you might not have even fully been aware of 
and they give you the opportunity actually to work on them. So when you think of somebody as like your perfect match, a lot of times you think that that means you're going to live happily ever after and everything's going to be perfect, right? That's what happened for you, right? Yes, of course. Because you came to my house and had the last, yeah. That, that's, and then you had the zechut, you got married, right? Nobody, nobody lives happily ever after everything is perfect. That doesn't happen. But what, it, what does happen is that the, the experience of having a relationship gives you a lot of wonderful things, a lot of blessings, a lot of positive, but it also causes your weaknesses to come out. It causes you to have to face certain limitations that you have, certain challenges. It causes you to grow. You're actually attracted to a person who brings out both the best and the worst in you. That's the truth. You will be attracted to someone who brings out the best and the worst in you. And that's how Hashem made it. And therefore, in, a, in the context of that relationship, you can come to know yourself better. Now, what might end up happening is that in the process of dating in particular, you realize you're attracted to a certain type of person and you realize it's not healthy. You might realize that certain aspects are unhealthy, in which case you need to recognize them and, 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 and work them out before you make a long-term commitment to a person. But interacting, what you're drawn to, at least initially, can help you become aware of certain conflicts in yourself or certain limitations that you have to work on. What did you want to say? I saw that you had your hand. Sorry. Because a person, without realizing it, um, she, oh, she asked, why would you be attracted to a person who brings out the worst in you? So it's because... A person is always in the process of trying. We don't realize how much we're shaped by our, our, our earliest years. Okay? And so you're always going to seek a situation in your life. You're going to seek to recreate a situation in your life that gives you the opportunity to do what you do best, hopefully, but also is going to give you an opportunity to face the aspects of yourself where you feel you failed or where you feel you had problems. Because you want this time to be able to conquer those problems, be able to defeat them. Now the problem is that if God forbid, God forbid one of those issues is abuse or one of those issues is, is unhealthy. So you can end up in a relationship with somebody that's actually unhealthy. And you don't want to be in a situation like that. For instance, if your need is you like to be a caregiver to others, and you like to be supportive, and you like to be in that type of a role, and therefore you look for a guy who doesn't know how to match his socks, and doesn't know how to do laundry, and doesn't know which dial on the oven turns it on, or whatever, okay? There are a lot of guys like that. So then, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I wouldn't say there's anything inherently wrong with that. The guy is looking for somebody to be in a motherly role, and you're looking for somebody to be a motherly role to them. So that's not unhealthy. But if you had a situation where, of, of, where you felt abused and you thought, I'm going to marry a guy who's going to treat me like dirt, but I'm going to turn him around, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. That's, an, that's already un, to the point of unhealthy. So you have to be... So in the process of dating, if you recognize that you're attracted to certain types of personalities that are problematic, that's a red flag that you need to do some introspection very carefully before you make any serious commitments for your future, in my opinion, okay? I think in general, you should follow your heart and your mind in that order, meaning 
You need to be attracted to the person and feel that they fulfill your emotional needs. Which will mean that they will bring out, like I said, the best and the worst in you in certain ways. And that will allow you to grow. And that's good. They'll challenge you. They'll fulfill you and they'll challenge you. And that's what you want. You don't want somebody who just says, yes, everything is perfect all the time. You want someone who also is going to bring out the aspects that you need to work on. But what you can have is somebody who's going to be in an unhealthy or, God forbid, abusive relationship with you. And if there's any indication of that, that means that you have to take a step back and maybe you're not ready to be in, in the dating process yet because it could be dangerous to you. Okay, that's, that's one thing that I want to make very clear. You know, in general, following your heart, like Sigmund Freud said, there are two areas where you should follow your heart. He said, in everything, follow your mind. But there are two things you should follow your heart. In love and in work, you should follow your heart. Meaning, if you don't love what you do, like if you don't love your work, you're going to be miserable. And if you don't love, emotionally love your partner in life, you're also going to be miserable. No matter how good the match looks on paper. You marry somebody because, oh, our interests line up on paper, our backgrounds are similar, our families are similar. This is, everything works out on paper, but you don't feel a spark with that person, you don't feel love for that person, you're not following your heart, you're going to be miserable. Just like if a person takes a job just because they want to make a certain amount of money, but they hate what they do, they're not going to be happy. So it's important to follow your heart. Obviously, you have to be practically minded too. You have to plan for your future. You have to make sure that you have the same goals, same aspirations, that the person you know, has a head on his shoulders and you have a head on your shoulders, hopefully, and you're planning intelligently. That goes without saying. Parents are really helpful for that, for the most part. Parents are the ones who, put, who generally check our emotions in the area of love by saying, yeah, but does he have a job? Right? Is he going to be able to provide? Uh, what level of education does he have? Uh, you know, they're the ones who are going to be more interested in the practical a lot of times and are going to help you put your emotions in perspective. But there should definitely be that emotional element. You can't just go with somebody who's good on paper. Things will not click that way. Okay? Sometimes what's good on paper is good for a meeting, is good for, to set you up on a date that maybe there's a good chance you guys will click. But you can't marry based on paper alone. It's a disaster to do that, in my opinion. Again, I'm just giving you my opinion. My opinion is worth, uh, you know, the paper it's written on, which there is no paper. You know? So, um, so it's just for your consideration. But my, these are the points that I would put before you, these three points. Number one, just to recap what I said so far. Number one, always take time. Don't rush to conclusions when it comes to dating, especially conclusions about ending the dating, if there's any question in your mind that there, that there might be interest. And especially, I advise, never go out just on one date with a person. That's my personal advice. I wouldn't do that. Because I feel that you can't really get a fair glimpse of who a person is from one encounter. That's my feeling. That's number one. Number two realize that, a, that the person that is your match is not going to only be a person who brings out the best in you, but will also be a person who challenges you and will also be a person who causes you a lot of heart, heartache and a lot of conflict. And that's actually not necessarily a bad sign. That's a sign that they're actually bringing out something in you that you're looking for without realizing it. 
You're actually looking for it without realizing it. Now, if it's something unhealthy or potentially abusive, then you have to take a step back and wonder whether it's a proper path to go on and you have to talk to whoever you trust. Okay? Somebody that you trust. If, if it's something which is merely you realize, oh, he brings out the... He stresses me out because he's, you know, he's annoying in this way. He's annoying in that way. He's nitpicky about that. He's lazy about this. These are all things that you don't even realize. You're actually, you're actually bringing them out without realizing it because these are issues that you want to face. Okay? And they cause you to become more in touch with who you are and what you're looking for. And you will see almost invariably, and I bet... That everyone here feels has any, I'm, I'm, actually don't raise your hand. I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I'm sure a lot of you have been dating in the past. Okay, you may not realize that the guys that you're into all fit a certain pattern, but I bet every one of your friends does see it. Okay, it's easy to see. Oh, so and so always goes out with a guy like this. So and so always goes out with a guy like that. But yourself say no. I pick the guys that are totally different. Every guy I go out with is different. You don't see the pattern in yourself, but other people can see it. The pattern is actually there, which is a proof that you're actually creating a situation without even realizing it. You're creating a repeat of a situation without even realizing it. Why do you do that? Because there are certain things in yourself that you want to come to the surface so you can conquer them, so you can deal with them, so you can confront them. But when they come out, the irony is you're not going to like it. It's not going to be pleasant because it's going to be a conflict. And you think, oh, this time I'll be able to conquer it. This time I'll be able to resolve it. This time I'll be able to, to rise to the occasion. So becoming aware of that is okay, is good actually. Because it can help you, it can make the relationship a meaningful part of your personal growth. Okay? But what's my one cat? What's and, and the last point that I wanted to say that was what I said. Don't go with what's good on paper only. Don't go with what's good on paper only. You need that emotional connection. Because actually that emotional draw, which brings out both the good and maybe some of the stress and some of the conflict, is exactly what you need to grow. That's what you need to grow. That's why in the Torah, in this week's parashat says... Hashem is going to make Eselo Ezer Kenegdo. I'm going to make Adam a helper against him. Ezer Kenegdo. What does it mean a helper against him? Part of it is you help each other. Part of it is you, conf- you have conflict with each other. Those conflicts are supposed to help each of you grow. They're not just supposed to end with smashed glass on the floor and, you know, uh, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. It's supposed to be a stimulus to personal growth. It comes from the relationship because the relationship brings out from you those conflicts or those issues that are hidden beneath the surface within you. So th- this is, in fact, if there is, the, you know, there's an old joke. I sometimes tell this joke at weddings. So it's a very funny joke. So if, if at one of your weddings, God willing, I have the opportunity to tell this joke, you might hear it again. <clears throat> but the joke about a guy that, you know, he goes and he, he gets married and and, and like a week or two later, he sees his friend and his friend says, you know, oh, how's it like being married? He says, oh, it's great. He says, he says uh, have you had your first fight yet since you've been married? 
And, and the, guy, the newlywed guy says, no, fight, never, we never fight, my wife is so perfect, she's an angel, we never fight, we never have conflict. The friend says, oh, that's bad, that's bad. You have to fight. Fighting is very important, you must fight. So the, husband, the new husband says, I don't know how to fight, I can't get a fight with this woman, she's too nice, she's too good, what can I do? So the friend says, I'll tell you what to do. You come home from work, drop a $100 bill on the floor. Drop a $100 bill on the floor. If your wife comes and takes it, scream at her and say, I work all day and you take my money right in front of me. How, do you, how could you do that? If she doesn't pick it up, you say, I work so hard and you can't pick something up off the floor that I dropped. You know, what kind of good wife are you? No matter what you win, you get a fight, right? You're going to get a fight. So the, so the husband says, okay, I'm going to try it. So he comes home. He walks in the door and he drops a $100 bill on the floor. His wife walks over and says, would you like me to pick that up or should I leave it there? You know? Now, the point is, okay, that's a story. A person really could be like that, right? It's a very sweet story because obviously the wife really was doing her best to be attentive and good and supportive and all that and didn't want the conflict. She saw the possibility of conflict there and she avoided it. It's a good joke. In reality, there are conflicts. Those conflicts say something about each of us who are in the relationship. And it's an opportunity to learn about yourself. What gets me so annoyed about this guy? Why does it annoy me so much? Why do I put myself through this every time? And why do I respond like that? It never works. Everyone said this to themselves at some point. I'm just speaking your inner dialogue, right? We all have that experience. And guess what? That's an opportunity to reflect and say, yeah, why do I get so annoyed by this? Why does this bother me? Why do I bring it on upon myself? And why do I always say that same thing or respond the same way that causes this to get worse? From that thought can come a great insight. So maybe the lady in the joke had been in situations where she had made a wrong move and created conflict and she had already learned how to strategically diffuse conflict before it even erupted, you know? Maybe that's the idea of the joke. But in real life, you can become like that if you use conflict as... Isn't there somebody that you interact with on a regular basis besides me that really annoys you? You don't have to say if it's me. You came here. You can't complain. You didn't have to come here. Right? So if I annoy you, you can't complain. At least not now. But if there's somebody you regularly interact with that annoys you, have you ever sat back and said, what is it about that guy that annoys me so much? Or maybe there's somebody that you always respond to with a very like flippant or dismissive way. Or you always are like very grumpy around them or you always are very joking with them. I don't know, it could be anything. Did you ever sit back and say, wait, why do I always respond that way? You know, I'll share a personal story with you. I've never shared this story before, so you've never heard it, but I used to be somewhat of a jokester, if you could believe it or not, back in the old days. And there was a certain couple of friends that I noticed Whenever I went to hang out with them, I couldn't stop joking. I was always joking around, and it actually made me very stressed. I felt like I had to constantly be joking, and I would be exhausted after I would go hang out with these friends. 
And I felt like this situ- that it was a very like strained situation. And after like a couple of years of this, I said, you know, every time I hang out with these people, I have the same problem. Why do I keep doing that? And I realized, you know what? It's because I feel nervous. They make me feel nervous. They were very smart people. I felt like maybe I was being judged. Maybe I felt the pressure, you know? And I, I felt like I had to keep joking around because that was the only way to kind of like keep myself safe in the situation. As soon as I realized that about myself, I stopped doing it. And then I was able to hang out with those friends and actually enjoy interacting with them. I'm just giving you that story. This happened many, many years ago. To give you an example of how a situation that you create for yourself again and again, if you're not, if you can use it as an opportunity to learn something about yourself. And the same is true in dating. You use it as an opportunity to learn something about yourself and it's actually a royal road to get better self-knowledge and prepare yourself to be a better spouse or really even just a better person as an individual. Because we're not only spouses, right? We still remain individual human beings even if we're married. Okay, And that's even more important maybe because you can't be a better spouse than you are a person. Right? You're first and foremost a human being and then you're someone in a relationship with another human being. So the extent to which you come to know yourself and improve yourself will improve your ability to be a wife, a mother, and to fulfill, and a grandmother one day maybe, and fulfill all of the other roles that you have in front of you, laying ahead of you in your life. Okay? These are just my own thoughts. Maybe some of them made sense. Maybe some didn't. Maybe they recorded. Maybe they didn't. Maybe we'll be able to hear. Maybe they won't. And it's just between us. But are there any thoughts or questions, comments? You don't have to get personal. If you have any, don't be shy either. I'm not gonna, nobody's gonna know who you are on the recording. Yes. Yeah. Well, look, uh, what kind of mindset you should go if you go on a date? I mean, the, the thing is that a date is kind of like an interview in that sense. That you're trying to get to know the other person and they're coming and trying to get to know you. And it's a very, especially, and this is why I'm not a fan of decisions on first dates, because the first date is very awkward always. So if you feel awkward on the first date, that's natural and that's normal. Because why are you hanging out with this person that you don't know? And, you know, you're you're trying to get to know them, so you're using this opportunity to interact with them to get to know them. So you should see as your goal to share what of yourself you feel comfortable sharing with a new person. Obviously, in the beginning, you're not going to lay it all out there. You're going, to be, you're going to be divulging cautiously because you don't know exactly where the relationship is going yet and you don't want to make yourself more vulnerable than you need to be and the other person's going to be thinking the same thing. But you try to gain a, a, a sense of who that person is and the goal is to get to know each other. 
The goal is to get to know each other. And generally, if you get to know somebody that is, and, and you see in them something that attracts you, then you'll want to continue the relationship. And the same way, the same way on the other side. But you have to look at it as almost like an interview, basically. That you're trying, it's about, it's about divulge, sharing of yourself and the other person sharing of themselves, getting to know each other. And that's, gonna, that's why it's going to be a gradual process. So whatever first interaction you have, everyone is pretending to be the be- their best self on the first date. Hopefully, you know everybody's pretend is putting forth like certain image. It's going to take a while to really for them to let down their guard for you really to know who they are. You know you shouldn't underestimate. Look, you don't have to date a million people before you find the right person. Don't think, oh well, this is only the first person I dated. They can't be the right person. That's also silly. The first person I dated was the first was the right person. I'm talking, and I'm 21 years later, it's still the same, the same place. So, it's, uh, it worked out well. It can work out well that way. It's all about who the person is, and who you are. But if you use, the, the, the main thing that I feel is that the process of dating, and in general the process of relationships, you should always try to use as an opportunity to get to know yourself better. I feel like it's a golden opportunity to get to know yourself better. And that, so in the process of getting to know the other person, you'll also get to know yourself. That's the beauty of it. Any other comments, questions? Give me something here, guys. Let me know you weren't sleeping the whole time. You can't, you don't, you don't, you can't talk. You're, you're out of this game now. She has so much experience already. How long are you married? Two months? That's, that's good. Yeah, listen. Listen, it says, it says Yitzchak Avinu married Rivka, right? He never met her before. Eliezer goes, he brings Rivka to him, and they get married. And it says what? It says he married her, and then he loved her. Meaning that the process of getting to know the other person is a lifelong process. I can tell you the absolute honest truth. You can't love a person when you marry them the way you're going to love them after 10 years of marriage, even after one year. Because the more you get to know them, the more you're genuinely going to love them if it's a good marriage and if you're good people. You can't imagine, it would be terrible, it would be, it would be horrific if the wedding was actually the pinnacle of your relationship and it was all downhill after that, right? That's not the idea. The idea that that's only the beginning, you're building after that. The problem with fairy tales is they all end and they lived happily ever after. Right? They don't tell you what happened after the wedding between the two people that get together. But that's actually the essence is the ongoing relationship. So when you're dating, you're really testing out which relationship looks like it can be a long-term relationship for the rest of my life. That's what you're looking for. By getting to know the other person and then through the, then when you start to settle in that this is probably going to be the one, you get to know them more and more. So by the time you get married, you feel pretty confident. And then... 10, 20, 30, 50 years later, you know, the love grows stronger with time because the appreciation of the other person grows stronger with time in a good, healthy marriage. Bezvat Hashem. Are there any other questions, comments? Guys, come on. Nothing. You don't have to be shy. Nobody's going to assume you're talking about yourself. Just to, to ask for your friend. Isn't that what you're supposed to say? I'm asking this for my friend. Eh? It's okay. We're no, nobody's gonna, you don't have to feel on the spot. I hope in some way this helps to, uh, to, to, to bring some clarity 
to, and obviously, you know, you guys are always welcome to, there are some ladies in the community, young ladies your age that come and talk to me about issues of dating and specific situations, and I'm always happy to help if I can, um, help them reason through things or think through things, and, you know, I don't know if I'm actually helpful, but I try at least to listen and to give feedback and to help them think through their own inner process. I don't think that, you have to be very careful when it comes to taking advice from people too. You really do. Be very cautious about that. I think parents are great when it comes to advising on practical things. Really they are for the most part. I can't speak about every person's parents, but I think as a general rule, parents are very good about the practical side of marriage, helping you think, will this really work? Is this really feasible about the finances? These things are all real things, real concerns. So parents are great with that. But in terms of choosing your partner, be very careful what advice you take. And make sure that if a person's giving you advice, a person shouldn't really be giving you advice about a particular relationship. They should be listening to you and helping you work out your own thoughts. If somebody else is telling you what direction to go in a relationship, that's also problematic. It needs to come from within you. So a, a good friend will help you clarify your own thoughts and experiences so you're making the best decision for yourself. They shouldn't be telling you what to do, but they should be enabling you to make the best decision for yourself. Does that make sense? Okay, that's also very important. You don't want to have anybody else running your, you know, making these big decisions for you. Especially if they, pro- they you know, most, most people who are your friends aren't necessarily that much more experienced or knowledgeable about the subject than you are. It's just that they're outside of the, the emotional experience, so they might be able to look at things more objectively and help you reality test and help you process and help you think it through more, uh, more objectively and more realistically than you are. But make sure not to put these decisions in the hands of anybody else. That's what I think is very, very critical. It has to come from you. And the only exception I'll make, and I, I, I don't mean to, like they say, beat a dead horse, but if there's any abuse in a relationship, right, that's never going to be okay. And it's important that you not rationalize that. Anything that's abusive, you should speak to somebody that you trust. And I would say that even if you already were married, it's not okay, obviously. And you should all know that. It's never okay. Any kind of physical or emotional abuse. Sometimes, emo- sometimes it can be... Shalom bayit can be restored. Sometimes there can be therapy and, uh, the, you know, and, and things can be worked out. But it's never okay or something that you should feel that you deserve it or that you, it's something that you should accept or live with. It's definitely not. So if anything like that ever comes up, for sure, you have to, it has to be resolved immediately. And, uh, you know, no, and uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, God forbid it should happen. I, I, hopefully it should never happen to any of you. But it's just something you should always know. A lot of times people, everyone who gets into a relationship that's abusive say, this can't really be happening to me. This can't really be happening to me. It's always the people who least imagine it would ever be happening to them that happens to them. So just always know that you have a community, a supportive community. You have rabbis, you have you know, other mentors and other sources of support that will help you if, God forbid, that should ever be the case. It's important to realize that, I think. I just want to put that out there for your future that you know that. But in the meantime, hopefully some of these ideas will help you, guide you, um, and help you make decisions. And obviously I'm always here to talk about specifics. I know you don't want to talk about specifics on a recording or in front of your 
300 closest friends. Okay? But you're always welcome to contact me, whether it's in person, whether you text me, whether you call me. I'm always available. You can also, uh, if you ever want to meet with me, uh, you know, in my office, um, now that we're open, the building's open again. I have hours that, you know, we can always make an appointment to meet um, if, if that works for you uh, at a time when the building's open. I'm happy to be a resource for you if I can help. I hope that, I, that I'll be able to help, you know, but as the best I can do is to help you think through your own thoughts and, and, and sort through them. So Bezrat Hashem, all of you should find the right person, should be successful in the process of dating, and should be able to settle into happy and healthy marriages. Not just happy in a simplistic sense that, oh, it's like some kind of a romance movie, okay? But actually happy that there's growth going on, that there is some conflict and there is some challenge, and from that challenge, you become the best person that you could possibly be. Okay?